So what do you think? What do you, what do you think? Are, are you happy that you have Nick Foles now? Is he the starter? No. I don't even know. He's what's that? Is he the official starter now? Yeah, yeah he. Um, so. They they yeah they benched when they benched Trubisky. They made it clear that Foles was the guy going forward, and that the Trubisky experiment was done. He, it's it's just one of those things. Like one of the uh, one of the radio guys that I listen to out of out of Illinois. He I think he put it best. Nick Foles isn't really going to win you like a Super Bowl. Um, and I mean, probably the floors and ceilings. I mean, he won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. On he had one magical run. Like, let's be real. Like everybody yeah, glorifies like his one magical run. But uh, the guy was like, the floor the the floor is high. Uh, the floor is higher with Nick Foles than it was with Trubisky, and the ceilings are about the same. The big difference mm-hmm. is is that Foles like isn't stupid. Like he's not gonna like he's not gonna like make he's not gonna make the mistake that loses games for you the way that Trubisky has been. Like Trubisky has regressed in three years and can't but, read it. They, like in the offense has been so simplified for him that they were running like ten plays. Is Trubisky like, gonna end up being like Tannehill though? Like is he, is he gonna go like to Tampa Bay in two years and start just winning games? I mean, if he does, I'd still have no regrets because he was no. atrocious. I mean, and think about what, what they gave for a one-year starter from UNC. Like, it's just insane. Well, and that 12-4 and four season was on the strength of a defense. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. a disruptive defense that isn't the same either. Like, people are putting way too much. They traded up for that guy. I'm, what's that? They traded up for that guy, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I remember exactly where I was when I saw – because I was it was Thursday, so I was bowling, and even though the rumors were out there, I feared they weren't true. And unfortunately, oh. it was Adam my, Schefter, uh, not Dave Meltzer, reporting, and therefore it was true. <laughs> my my team took Daniel Jones, and he is, you know, tank for trouble. dude. He actually dude. did look terrible against Dallas, but do you guys play the Jets this year? I don't think we do, but we play Washington this week, so. Because be God, I would I, I would actually sit down and watch the Jets and the Giants. Because <laughs> somebody's uh, got to win, right? It's funny we were we were laughing because me and my son were watching the Giants in Dallas, and we were like, "This is like the best game of the week so far." And it's right. Know, and of course, Dak gets hurt, which was terrible, and so much. But yeah, dude, it was it was crazy. Anyway, we, this is like three minutes of the opening of the show now. Oh, yeah. Hey yo. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. I'd actually like to take this opportunity to wish... Greg DeMarco Show. Best in all his future endeavors.
What is up? It is yet another Tuesday night, Tuesday, October the 13th, week 179 of COVID-19. No, I just did. I don't know. What week it? Do we know what week it is? Is there a counter somewhere, Patrick O'Dowd? There is, but I have no idea because everybody started at different times. That's true. Like for me, it was, and and for me, it was that that basically that Friday in March that they sent us home from work, and we're like, "Yep, we're working home now." And then we just never went back. Literally, right after I got back from our hangout in Vegas. Like was when was when like things started getting for reals out here. Funny because I went back to Vegas to like a week and a half later. And and right. was sick during that time and may have had it. Like you never know. So yeah, who knows? Funny thing, I, I'm back in the office. Yeah. For well, just for a couple of weeks anyway. But right. I'm back and in the office because we're uh, we're planning to like every other school, we're closing early, the earlier than normal, course, and we're making everybody cold. move out. So now we have to plan for that. And oh man, it's crazy. All good right. times. Well, this is the Greg DeMarco Show, which means my name is Greg DeMarco. The Greg DeMarco Show is brought to you uh, as part of the ChairShot Radio Network, which you can find at a very special place called TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Once again, that very special place is called TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You can follow the website at ChairShot Media. You can follow me on all of your forms of social media at ChairShot Greg. This show is also streaming on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcasts, and so many more. So like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. And if you like the show, go tell a friend so they can listen and enjoy it too. Especially this week, it's going to be a lot of fun. Patrick O'Dowd has no idea what we're talking about today. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there here in a moment. Um, speaking of Patrick O'Dowd, you heard his voice earlier as we're talking some football and, and some COVID. Because how can you not talk COVID these days? It's like ignoring the fact, you know, if a nuclear war was going on and we didn't talk about it, it'd be weird. Um, of course, we might not be podcasting. We might be hiding under a table or something. I don't know. We're building a bunker. Duck and cover. Right. Building an ark. I don't know. But... Um, he is on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You might notice the lack of a female voice this week. Miranda Morales is off this week due to a prior family engagement, but you can still follow her on Instagram, not on Twitter, because she's a Twitterless heroine at the hashtag Miranda Patrick O'Dowd. You missed last week's show, of course. You were, you, were, you were on your thing. So at the beginning of the show, you mentioned bowling. We haven't talked. Is is that back? Is that not back? What's the status of bowling? Bowling's back. Um, it it almost wasn't back for me. I, I almost decided not to. Basically, it was really. And uh, yeah, well, and not oddly enough, not for the reason that that most people would, would think. If I was just a regular bowler in the league. I would probably have not had a problem going back, but my role in the league. Right. I collect everybody's scorecards at the end of the day. I collect money from everybody. So all these hands touching shit. Right. Coming and I have to like handle it all. And so I bring like my own thing of hand sanitizer and it's no, it's no shortage of vanity, but uh, my league is such that nobody really wants the job that I do. So I had legitimate concerns about the league continuing if I didn't stay on. 
and, and keep doing it. So I stayed on and it's, it's been different. We we're, the league's about half the size and most leagues right now, cause they're going on are about half the size as people hopped out and that the bowling alleys are doing a lot of like safety measures and stuff that you would expect and hope for. Like you're not on top of each other. You have to wear a mask right. until you're on the approach hand sanitizer everywhere. So they're trying and it's going okay so far. I haven't had anybody report that they are sick. Uh, and I personally have, you know, like between this and being on a campus with students, haven't, haven't had anything happen. So the, the precautions seem to be going okay. And hopefully it keeps going like that. Now, and maybe this is my naivete. I don't know. Well, does the mask really inhibit a bowler that much? What do you mean by inhibit? Like, couldn't you roll the ball with the mask on? I mean, really. And people do. Like some people do. It's it's definitely like a comfort and a preference thing. And since nobody else is up on the approach, like when you throw because of etiquette, like you could pull the mask down. I personally like it's funny because that's one of the few times I don't wear a mask is when um, Mm -hmm. I'm on the approach throwing a ball. But like two of my teammates, they'll they'll keep it on. Yeah, personal preference. And and like you said, I think it's safe. Obviously, you're you're doing well and and okay there. And so yeah, that's that's a good thing. So. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear the bowling is still happening. It's it's a it's a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like you and you're working out. Like, except I've only been you, doing it since May. You've been bowling for like a decade. True, but you still like you can't deny that you're working out and your CrossFit stuff, and, and not just the getting in shape and like doing all that, but it is a nice little outlet for you. Like Absolutely. it's something that you do and you enjoy and. When when that was taken away from you, I remember Dude, the crazy. Greg DeMarco of they closed the fucking gym. I was so mad, and it was only a day, man. right? Then the, the gym opened back up, but we were sneaking in. That, like that's when we were day. Fight Club protocol, which was a lot of fun. Like you felt like you were breaking the law, but still doing it. Like it literally felt like you were going to some underground gym. Right. Like it was it was a blast. Now it's it's they, they, so they tore down the middle wall of the gym. It's like a it's in a warehouse complex, and so it was two bays. Um, I guess. I don't know. They tore down the middle wall and the place looks completely different now. It's crazy. I need to take some pictures, but I haven't. Um, they just did it over the weekend. Yeah, you you don't take pictures? No, I take pictures. I take more pictures. I mean, than other than pictures of yourself, I guess. You know, right, like, exactly. How many, how many pictures of Greg DeMarco do I have on my phone of Greg brushing his teeth and taking a picture of himself? There's only two of the teeth brushing ones. It's it's the Greg DeMarco special. It is. It's someone asked me to explain the pose. The toothbrushing is not supposed to be part of the pose, but it just lends itself to it. Yeah, it's been. I, I don't know. It's it comes from. Sorry, years you're, of, you're you're right handed. My bad. No, I'm left handed. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You knew that. Wow. Did I? You knew that. I mean, I've only been friends for over a decade. Right. I should know that. Almost, we're closer to two than one decade at this point. Get the fuck out of town. As I look at my old Yukon right? swag, the, the one piece of apparel that was not like work mm-hmm. um, related that I still wanted a work function. I still, um, I still have a like, Yukon wanted at a raffle. shirt and a Yukon t-shirt, like a long sleeve t-shirt hanging up in my closet. I don't ever wear them. And I think, a, I think a long sleeve t-shirt too. I don't know. I got to look, but see now all these things fit again. So I got to, Trying oh, look at you. Look at you, like, low-key 
a little humble brag. Yeah. No, no. I, uh, bra- I, um, a I few mean, years ago, I you don't, you don't know, you normally brag. So like, right? exactly. Brag. Like, um, what's, what's humble about it now? They're just, now it's like, like an actual accomplishments. So it's, there you it's go. more fun that way. A couple years ago, I, I was going to post this. I never posted it though. Maybe like three, four years ago, I bought two shirts on clearance at target. They were, they were larges. And I was like, by the end of the year, I'm going to wear these shirts. And of course I didn't by the end of the year and I didn't forever. Well, I can now wear the shirts and actually wore the shirts when my wife and I went away a couple of weekends ago. So. Oh, good for yeah. you. I don't know if I can do a lot of larges. It's, it's now they make things smaller and, and their, their shoulders. Are I, you know, I, was, I was talking about this with the misses, the, the shoulders and the sleeves. Like, I don't know what it is now with t-shirts. Cause you know how I don't like yeah. sleeves. And uh, they're like, it's all like high up on the uh-huh. bicep and like, it's the vanity that Let's you've be talked real. about before. Yeah. The, the, the O'Dowd doesn't really take people to the gun show. No, like they're, they're, I, the, the guns. Like, I've got to that there's, point. There's but I actually prefer, I'm picky too. I actually prefer the, the, the more traditional length sleeve on a t-shirt. Than, right. Right. Than I just, I don't like the high, high sleeves. Sometimes I'll put on a shirt and I'll feel like that's, it's a women's shirt. Like with the way the sleeves are cut and that's not, that's not me. So, but you know, it is, it is what it is, but you know, humble brags aside, um, that is that is you know, yeah, you brought the CrossFit up, and, and you know not to open that that Pandora's box because the one thing about one thing I've learned is that people that go to CrossFit love to talk about CrossFit, and I'm slowly sure becoming do. the CrossFit person. Not even slowly, I've become one of them. It's like becoming. Yes, one of us. Like as soon as I showed up, they started chanting. So damn pod person. Someone actually was, was uh, telling me that it, it, it's a cult for them. Like they, it's a cult. They're okay saying they're a part of. So, right. You know, if they make me drink something I don't want to drink, and then no one else leaves the building, I probably won't do that. But then I'll have to find a new CrossFit gym. But that's uh, so that that's your informal update on bowling and CrossFit from Greg Demarco and Patrick O'Dowd. I don't even we don't have, we don't have Miranda here to sell T-shirts, man. Like what am I? We don't. What do I, I mean, I should make you do it. Not- you you do it for what, bandwagon you, nerds, you right? You want me to send people over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shop yeah, talk about all the fine there. t-shirts that people can buy, including Jesus Did the Job, hashtag save tag team wrestling, the Plat Balaz 2020 campaign shirt, buy the shirt, but don't vote for them. All of the plethora of various chairshot.com swag that you can get at pro forward slash the chair shot. You can even get the bandwagon nerds shirt. You can get a winner is you. There's about a dozen Greg DeMarco related shirts because they're all the chair shot.com. Plus the everybody hates Greg shirt. But I also consider the chair shot.com shirts, Greg DeMarco shirts. They're yours too. And not only that, you, you can get them. In either your standard T-shirt style at around twenty or so bucks, 20, but if you're feeling fancy, if you're feeling fancy, you can throw a couple more dollars that way and go soft style and and just feel a little bit extra with that soft style shirt. I know that's the preferred style of the queen of soft style herself, Miranda Morales, Greg DeMarco. I do believe you like the soft style as well. I am what is known as a cheap bastard. And so my one shirt is of the hashtag save tag team wrestling variety. That's right, kids. I don't even have the shirt to my own show. 
I didn't I didn't buy that shirt yet. You don't. But I have hashtag save tag. I, I know, right? But I do have hashtag save tag team wrestling, which is probably my number two shirt anyway. Yeah. Um, but I went standard style. So get over there, support the chairshot.com, support all these awesome pa- uh, podcasts. And once again, that's pro forward slash the chair shot. Use your head and support chair shot radio network. Well done, Patrick O'Dowd. Well done. I like it. I do it on bandwagon nerds, you know, you do. Oh, I know. I, I listen to bandwagon nerds or I was listening to it. It's really fun. So this week's edition of bandwagon nerds, you talk about how there's not much on the agenda show is over two hours long. It was not that's, much on the agenda. Most of that is the boys. And of course, and, well, and of course and you decided to go, you know, party of five again and have five people on there to talk about the boys. That like, was the plan. I, I, no I one, intended that show. No to one listens to me when I tell them what not to do. And they just say, fuck it. Let's have you've, you've been on this show when we've had too many people, like you've lived it, you know, when too much is too much. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed our seven-point breakdown of the boys' episode I don't even eight. know what point I'm on currently, to be honest with you. Which um, is unfair because you haven't watched the show. I have more not than, watched you're the You're still on season one, right? But the like, time, I'm not, I haven't even started in. it. No, the, the show that I – but I can tell you I am 54 minutes and 55 seconds into an hour and 10 minute – or two hour and 10 minute broadcast. So Hey, you're almost you're almost to the commercial break. There we go. Speaking – that, that's a great segue, Patrick. Go down. That's I'm here for you. Brilliant, brilliant segue. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. That's over 150 of your favorite promotions found exclusively at powerslam.tv. So go to powerslam.tv and you'll get a free week. But if you use the promo code chairshot, you will get a free month. Now, a month is only six bucks, but why not try it out and see if you like it first and do it on us. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot, get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. So on last week's program that Patrick wasn't a part of, we were lucky enough to interview Maggie Makowitz, one of the founders, co-founder of Not Dead Can't Quit, uh, NDCQ.com. Just want to remind everybody, uh, because I have my promo code there, head on over to NDCQ.com, save 30% on your order, 30, 30, 30%, it's the only one, only, only way you can save that much there. Whenever they run a sale, it's usually 20%, you can save 30% using the promo code DeMarco. I don't even get anything for it, okay? They just set it up because we're trying to promote the brand and, and do all that. There's going to be more stuff to come. Interview did very well. Like, a lot of people listen to it, and and um, and, and we're going to do more with it with them. But definitely go check that out, learn about that, hear kind of a little bit of a different side of myself, of Miranda Morales. And, of course, 
Mandy Makowitz hear all about her late husband, Mac Makowitz, kind of a famous dude. Um, yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun and, and definitely appreciative of that. So go and check it out and have a lot of fun that way as well. So Patrick, I talked about it with you, texted you today and said I was gonna have a topic for the show. I was excited about it. And, and what, did, how did I put it to you? I can't even remember what I, how, how I said you, you basically, you were like, I'm not sure if I am going to tell you or just surprise you. Right. I said, it's a well, wrestling you, topic. You were like, I want to. It's a wrestling topic, but I guarantee you, right. it's one you can discuss with zero advance notice. So here's what I want to do, Patrick Goodown. I want to see if you can figure out what it is. So I want to kind of see if, if oh, you're Jesus. if you're able to you're gonna, guess. You're gonna quiz me again. You know how good I am at quizzes. Oh, it's not it's not the uh, we're not doing a game show, so you don't have to worry about that. But let's see if you can figure out the topic. So we'll intro music it, and then we'll let you take some guesses. It's time. So you know it's a wrestling topic. You know it's one you can talk about at the drop of a hat. No preparation needed. No anything. So. Give you three guesses. What do you think we're talking about today? Well, even though I think it's probably not correct, um, the number one would be something to do with tag team wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, see, I I knew that was too obvious. Um, (laughs) No, it's not that. I was like, I'm not even going to waste a guess on that one. Okay. Um. So given my interest, it's probably something old school, I would hope, uh, in the neighborhood of, say, either the AWA or 80s WWF. Uh, not in the ballpark there. Is it Roman Reigns? Because <laughs> that'd be my other one. <laughs> no, but that's actually Roman a great, that, that would have been a great one to, to do, to be honest with you, like that. We could have. We could have definitely done the big dog. Here comes the big dog. The big dog, Roman Reigns. The big dog. And we kick off Monday Night Raw live tonight in Phoenix, Arizona with the big dog. So three guesses, none of which you picked up on. But so so I'm going to intro it for you tonight. The topic that I want to get, because you know, when, when Miranda wasn't going to be here, I was like, what can we talk about that she would not want to partake in? Because I have this topic I want to talk about. I tabled it right. for last week. Like, I really want you to be part of it. I really want her. It's a perfect three of us topic to talk about. We talked about the women's championships on her show. So I talked about, we're going to talk about the men's championships on this one. Not ready yet. So I want to do it next week when all three of us are hopefully together. So I came up with something else. You and I are the perfect people to talk about here this week on this program. Patrick O'Dowd, we are going to go back in time and talk about what is affectionately known as the greatest night in the history of our sport. Which, of course, is what, Patrick O'Dowd? That's Final Battle, ROH's Final Battle 2005. ROH Final Battle 2005. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta bring up the card. 
just so that I have it up. You don't even need it. I you got know, it. I got it. I really want you to be able to go completely off the old cuff there and, and, and have some fun. Um, so it was a Saturday night. I watched this not too long ago. I'm sure you did. That's the thing. Like you've seen this show more than anyone on planet Earth. So I know that, that this is a topic you can talk about at the drop of a hat. And that's why I wanted to wanted to do that. It was Saturday night, December 17th, 2005. At the Inman Sports Complex in Edison, New Jersey. Edison, New Jersey. Greg DeMarco, Patrick O'Dowd, and like 1,100 of our closest friends. This was a huge card and a huge group of people. And just wasn't it? It was one of the first times they were at that. It was complex, the first right? time they were at Edison. Right. It was. It was because. Yeah, and it became kind was of that a one of the. Did them. we do one of the White Castle trips on that? Probably, maybe because that was Cause, a one nighter. Like we didn't stay overnight. We went and drove home. Right. That wasn't oh, the, that the was... greatest weekend in the history of our sport. That's different. That was in May right. of that year before I moved. So this was um, one show. We drove. We drove back and in, in, in Edison, New Jersey. Um, may have been a White Castle trip. May have been a, a a stop at McDonald's on the New Jersey Turnpike and not talk to wrestlers trip. I can't remember. So. No, we de- we definitely no. That was like later. Because okay. I, I just think speaking of us talking about the University of Connecticut, I remember that night because UConn was like moving out and closing and you and I That's were right. like, fuck it, we're going anyway and, and blew did it we, off. Did we get and permission or did I, we just go? I can't remember. For for those of you, yes, your boss was like, who cares? I, if I distinctly remember, and my boss is really was is still really close with with your supervisor at the time, and so right. they just kind of did whatever yeah. that person did. But for those of you who have ever been around or know anything about like myself and Greg, I, I'm the I'm the like the paranoid rules guy. So like the whole trip, I'm like, should we really be doing this? Like, oh gosh, I can't believe we're doing this. And then like, but I didn't care. Like we still like I still went, but like the whole yeah. time I felt like. What, what if we get caught? Like what's going to happen? And we, we didn't get caught. And nobody cared. So, but it was, it was a law. I remember that drive back because we had to work bright and early the next day. And that next day was, was rough. Yep. It was rough, but we did it, but we did, we did it. do we it. It happened. And, and we, uh, we definitely had a, a great time there. I was back before ring of honor. Had to worry about tape and television, had to worry about any of that stuff. Like they just do shows, they didn't even do, do double shots all the time. This was not a double shot. It was one off. And we, of course, were, we, we decided to partake in it and, uh, and, and made that show, made that trip. And of course, it became known affectionately as the greatest night in the history of our sport. Of course, that's a takeoff of Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone, not there as far as we know, but definitely a, a grand old time had by all. At, at Ring of Honor Final Battle 2005. So we are going to go down the card and, and talk about it a little bit and and just have some fun with with it and, and kind of go over what we did. So the opener, Patrick O'Dowd. Uh, and this is just, uh, just seeing these matches brings back memories. The first guy oh, out, yeah. first guy out, Prince Nana managing Jimmy Rave. Going to the Jimmy ring Ray. to go one-on-one with Milano Collection AT. Now, a lot of people listening to this probably have no idea who that is. I mean, they, they probably do, but may not remember. Explain Milano Collection AT to the folks. I mean, Milano Collection AT he was the uh, he was a fashion model with his with his dog that he used to walk down to the ring uh, from, from Italy, from Milan, Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, though he didn't really look very Italian. 
And uh, he, I remember he was at the first ever show that we went to. He was at Survival of the Fittest, mm-hmm. which was the first ROH show I ever attended for that year. Tied it wasn't Samoa your Joe first ROH like show. It was my first. What's that? And tied Samoa Joe up like a pretzel. And yeah, and he tied and well, and that was his big thing is that he was very creative in the way that he used the ring ropes uh to yeah, tie up at the time it was Samoa Joe. And it and it became his spots, like his spots is getting his shit in, but where he would basically tie up a wrestler mm-hmm. into the ropes and not like in the corner, like in the ropes in the middle, and it would like do a drop kick on them. And that would be how they would release. And he was very he was very much like this grounded style of wrestler that like got over huge with the crowd right away. I remember I totally bought it. I think that was my first impression of ROH ever. And so he, and he was like the opener guy for about three or four months there where that he, that was where he tended to work. And he was, he was doing the opener work this time with Jimmy Rave who, uh, this is where we got a good look at Jimmy Rave's arm, if I do recall. Yeah. This is one of the times where he wung some toilet paper, toilet paper oh, back, yeah. and he he had an arm. He could he could have been a quarterback. The whole Jimmy Rave. So, and we joke about Jimmy Rave now because I never still haven't right. received the things that were ordered almost a year ago. But, um, I mean, he was talk about over as a heel. Oh my! Oh, goodness. he had heat people like the whole toilet paper gimmick was just amazing like people would just chuck and i mean it was especially this this show in particular like the amount of toilet paper. yeah it was a flight it was again so this, much. Was, this is probably the biggest roh crowd you and i have ever been a part of and right. they just chucked it and yeah he was throwing it back at people and just really just and so not good. gently people like, of course not. Like, no he like nailed a guy i mean just literally you, you i mean you could hear the pop yeah. as as he hit folks like it was it was crazy and i remember the match was okay like it wasn't it wasn't milano's best uh best uh outing that i saw actually i think his first one with joe was probably right. was probably way better but it really wasn't about that at, at that point cuz Jimmy Ray, it was about keeping Jimmy Ray's heat, yeah, and keeping him moving forward because he, he, he was he was nuclear. He was when it when it came to like just how much the crowd loved to hate him and oh him and with Nana, Nana was just a perfect was just a perfect guy for him to to like, to speak for Jimmy Rave to me, and I hate to say this because that you know. Another person who's been on the show and, and of course, ascended to the mountaintop and Ring of Honor. But to me, he he would be like if, if Ring of Honor put titles on people in 2005, 2006, the way they do now, he would have had a Matt Taven-like world title run is what he would right. have had. Like he right, was right. Matt Taven before Matt Taven was Matt Taven. And Jimmy Rave, of course, you know, never made it to – I mean, he made it to TNA and he was part of the Rocket Rave Infection and all that stuff. But he was – you know, career just cut short by injury and substance abuse and, and has turned that around professionally and, and done just fine. But um, it's definitely, you know, just such a great opening match. A good 12-minute affair. Great scowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, perfect heel. That. Perfect heel. And, and and just the pairing with him being the crown jewel of the embassy, being with Prince Nana. Like, it just worked. You wouldn't think it would work, but it just worked. And right, Nana, right. again, another guy who just never got – his due would never got his real opportunity. Like Prince Nana to me should be a manager in impact wrestling or AEW or even WWE. Like he should have made it and just, I don't know if he wanted to or not, but 
Yeah, definitely uh, one hell of a performer. Match number two on the card was Colt Cabana going one-on-one with Azriel. Azriel. Azriel was like... I'm trying to think of a so, good comparison, like maybe like Apollo Cruz level on the card. No, Azrael was on his way out at this point. Like he was, he was definitely on yeah. his downward slope, and he because he was part of Lacey's Angels, if I do recall, he was. I think and he when, was part of what was that faction that Jimmy Rave was in? Not Jimmy Rave. Jay Lethal was in when they first started. It was before we really started. Oh gosh, it was like yeah, it was like those. It was like a bunch of ravers, yeah. though. Like I can't right, remember like, what the hell they were called now. Um, It'll come to me later. But I think he was part and of. That. He, yeah, but by the time we get to by the time we get to final battle two thousand five, like he's just a guy. I think on he might have actually already been quote unquote released from the company, but brought back right. because he was again. This wasn't supposed to be Cabana versus Azrael. This was supposed to be Colt Cabana versus Homicide. And right. Homicide was injured in his match with Steve Carino leading up to this in, in right. New York that featured Steel Cage Warfare. And I believe that's where it took place. And right. and so it was, you know, Azrael was kind of the substitute, which is a little bit of a letdown. Right. You know, we expected the craziness of well, of, of Homicide. I, but, they, but they told it. But they told a pretty. Here's the thing is the match itself is is kind of secondary to the story yeah. they were trying to tell, because at this point, Cole Cabana is feuding with Homicide. And this is a turn for Colt Cabana into this more serious sort of character. Right. Like everybody knows him as the fun loving guy. And in this whole match, Azrael is like wanting to have fun with Colt Cabana, like and play along with a lot of his stuff. And he's trying to get, and there's this memorable spot where Cabana keeps going into the ropes and Azrael keeps sticking out his leg to trip him. Yep. And Cabana gets mad at him and he keeps getting mad. At him. And finally Cabana's like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to slap the piss out of you. And he sticks his foot out again. And Cabana, paintbrushes right. him just and Azrael oversells it but it was still a really good slap and it's like it's serious cabana yeah and then of course and, I mean, you know cabana does get the victory as he should and yep. with a lariat uh, and then out come homicide and ricky reyes and homicide does reveal he's going to be out for six months warns him that after he kills Steve Carino, although he called him Steve Cadido or whatever he Cadino. Yeah. Uh, then he's coming after him, stay out of his business or do bad thing, all that stuff. Like they didn't come to blows, nothing like that. But of course the best part of it was the homicide entrance, like homicides entrance at the time lights go fully out. You get the kill bill sirens. Like you just get, it's everything. And, and it was just right. such a good, such a good setup, and and that was, I just remember that when when that when the sirens would hit, you would like you and I would yell, "Uh oh!" Yep. Like you just knew, like, "Uh oh!" You just knew. Let me let me see if an ad plays. Hang on, we're gonna. There we go. All right, it's enough of that. But yeah, it was just, and we didn't know he was going to be there. Like, he wasn't announced. It wasn't no, anything. Yeah. So Homicide showed up. And we went to the show in November where Homicide was supposed to wrestle and didn't because of supposedly legal reasons, but because he, he couldn't leave state of New York, but yet he showed up later. And Colt Cabana wrestled B-Boy. Right. And of course, Homicide came out after that too. And we got the Homicide. So, so two straight Ring of Honor shows for us. We got two straight Homicide surprise entrances. Um, 
and and they did not come to blows. However, spoiler alert, this would not be the last time we saw Homicide this season. That is um, correct. But Cabana goes over little, you know, what eight minute match, and and that's it. Yeah, match, it was, yeah, it was a little nothing burger. I mean, the the whole the the, the shenanigans afterwards probably took almost the same amount of time. Um, and that's right. what it was all about at this point. This was just to extend that story until we could finally get to it. Match number three was for the Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Championship. Of course, salient point now is they're bringing that back and they're in the midst of their tournament. And I've been kind of retro reviewing them. I've gotten through two episodes of the Pure Tournament so far, which you can hear over at thechairshot.com. Nigel McGuinness versus Claudio Castagnoli. Nigel McGuinness was the defending, the reigning defending undisputed Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Champion. Claudio Castagnoli, of course, long, thinning hair, now better known as the bald-headed Cesaro in WWE. Nigel McGuinness, uh, part of the commentary team for NXT UK, uh, just as he's back over in the UK now. And the story here was that Nigel had been cheating Against Claudio in all of the yep. pure wrestling championship matches. So there were two referees for this match. Cause of course, you know, it's like in, in, re- in, in football, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none in referees. When you have two, when in wrestling, when you have two referees, you have no clean decision. That's basically what happens. Um, 1000%. Right. Of course, the pure wrestling rules, you get three rope breaks and, and you get uh, one warning. If you use a closed fist, if you use a second closed fist, it costs you a rope break, a rule that you're not using now, by the way, you get a warning really? and then you get disqualified. They no longer will charge you a rope break for a closed fist, which I, I liked that rule in the past. At the time, right. there was also a hard 20 count on the floor. Now all ring of honor matches have a 20 count on the floor. So that's also not as important a part of it because back then ring of honor, you didn't see disqualifications. You didn't see count outs. And so the pure wrestling rules definitely did apply. And of course, it, it, once you're out of rope breaks, pinfalls and submission attempts and the ropes are legal and, and can be, can be utilized. Of course, we were at the, the, the survival of the fittest show that you mentioned in September of 2005, where BJ Whitmer challenged Nigel McGuinness. And the whole story of that match was what? Oh, shoot. I don't even remember. BJ didn't know the rules. Uh, BJ would get confused by the rules. Whether or not that was a storyline or just real life, I don't know. But right, who knows? Like, who, who knows? like Randy Savage thinking he should pin Yokozuna in the right. Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, yeah. Um, so, of course, they battled for the championship. Uh, two referees, well, everything. Yeah. Well, we got to we got to have the privilege of chanting "Dusty finish" at we the did. end of the uh, at the end of the match. But uh, for me, I will always remember Nigel one. It's a damn shame that Nigel McGinnis's career was cut short the way that it was and that and his health and his body um, breaking down the way that it did and not and not being able to continue to wrestle because he really was as good as anybody. And when he was on top of Ring of Honor, yep. so many people that. just don't know how just how great he was because it's now been so long since he was so yeah. great. And you can see it in the way that he was the pure champion and the way that they built his rivalry with Daniel Bryan later. I'm sorry, Bryan Danielson in ROH, but right. uh, you saw it in, you saw it in matches like this one. And I remember the best part about this is Claudio gets the jump early on Nigel with rope breaks. And that's part of the story that's being telling is that Nigel's used up a couple of his rope breaks right away. And when Nigel finally gets a rope break, he turns around to the crowd and he's like, one for Claudio. And then he gets back to it. And, and when he gets the second one, he's like, there's two for Claudio. Like, and it was so, 
it was just him giving getting back at the crowd and the crowd, you know, wanting to get after him over that heel persona. And again, they, they it's so interesting to go back and watch those shows where the the face heel or hero villain dynamic, whatever you want to call it these days, Greg, was it was a little bit more genuine, like yeah, and totally. just the like we 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 hated this guy because we loved how good he was at being a hateable guy. And Nigel McGinnis, for those of you who don't know, he brings an iron to the match, which is what he uses a lot of times to get disqualified when he gets in trouble. And in this case, Claudio manages with referees out of the picture, or so mm-hmm. it appears, at least, well, sorry, um, Sinclair was out of the picture. You thought that Paul Turner was out of the picture, but he saw... Claudio Waffle, Nigel with the iron. So when Sinclair counted the three, we got the we got the raising of the arms, and everybody knew what was going to happen. You knew, yeah. We all started. Everybody started chanting "Dusty finish" because Paul Turner came in and took away the victory because he saw Claudio and he he was very demonstrative and like pointing to his eyes, like I saw the eye. Like it was so. Yeah, it's funny. It was like he was trying to be iron. like he was in an arena of like fifty thousand people or something. So he had to be very demonstrative yep. with his eyes. It's very theater. It is, and and it's sad. It's, it's almost sad because that we thought that was going to be Claudio's moment, right? His, cl- his mm-hmm. crowning achievement. When the match happened third, you kind of had to wonder, like, why is this match going on so early in the show? Right. And of course, now we know why because Gabe Sapolsky booked a, uh, a dusty finish. And I, I remember like the crowd chanting dusty finish was just one of those moments you don't really get in wrestling anymore. And no, you know, you I sure remember don't. the first time ever going to ring of honor. It was like a combination of a Japanese crowd and an ECW crowd. And I miss those days. Even today, it's not like that at all. I mean, today it's, there's no fans, but even when there were fans, it just wasn't the same. And this crowd was one of, you know, it was just your typical ROH crowd. The things they chanted and, and everything they did was just so perfect. Um, I mean, in another time, you know, things being different with contracts or whatever, Claudio would would have, you know, probably had a run on top of Ring of Honor akin to right. Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, and Nigel McGuinness. Like, that's right. – it's great. At the time, you know, he and, was he was the most money-making man, and he was all uh, he, used to, he came out to Sledgehammer yep. by Peter Gabriel, man. It was so great. And, and in a sense, though, he did get – a top of Ring of Honor run in his heel run. He did with with Chris Hero, and yeah, this is this is the other thing. One of the things I loved, you know, we talk about save tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling mattered in Ring of Honor. It did, but I don't want to go there yet. Oh, because okay. this card Sorry. is a pivotal turning point in tag team sure. wrestling for Ring of Honor, or for right. tag team wrestling in Ring of Honor. And I know, so, I know what you're getting. I know what you're getting at, and and so I want to wait and and talk about that in a moment. So I don't mean to cut you off, but I really want to, you know, hashtag save it for later in the podcast because that's gotcha. such a great point that you'll be able to make. But it, it really does deserve its t- time and place for that. Um, next up on the card was, I believe, our first and maybe only time, at least first time, ever seeing Steve Carino live. And saw no, we drove him in a van once. Yes, because he drove him in a van. He was the only person wearing a suit. I remember that Um, at the Phoenix shows for Ring of Honor. Um, Some five years later, now that I think about it, but he was reading a newspaper. Alex Shelley, of course, joined the embassy, and he didn't sell out. Patrick O'Dowd. What did he do? 
He bought in. He bought in. That's right. And he would come in and he did it all. He did the the embassy. I mean, he was just Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley for me. I thought about this as I was thinking about this card today. I was always so excited to know that Alex Shelley was going to be on the card. But then it was always like a notch below what I thought it was going to be. And this is why people are going to kill me for this. Is he Uh overrated? Is he one of the more overrated wrestlers in in history? I mean, I don't think so. If for no other reason than I love the machine guns like a lot, like, and and love them as a team. I think, you know, what you just kind of described though, is sometimes you have in your head, like, your hopes and then what you get isn't exactly yeah. what you get. And so then that might color things a little bit differently. I'll tell you the the thing that, that took, took the magic of Alex Shelley away from, for, <laughs> for me a little bit, you know, exactly might what have I'm been talking on the show. here. It might've been, we were, I was going to use the restroom and the showers were near the restroom. And this guy comes walking out of the showers and he is shorter than I am. And I'm like, that's that's Alex Shelley. Wow, Fair he's enough. little. Yeah, he's so. I mean, he can kick my ass, but he's so little. Which is like, really funny because Alex Shelley's build at five ten. He is not five ten. You and that I are the same lie. Height. He is not five ten. <laughs> that is not true, friends. <laughs> he's shorter than we are, and we are not five ten. So Alex Shelley is definitely not five ten. Um. But that's what he's billed as, so whatever. Well, and and in this match, he, this is another one of those matches where it's kind of hard to be excited about this because you know his role in the match isn't about him; it's about Carino yeah. and what they're gonna what they're doing with Carino. And then eventually, you know, I, as you as you were mentioned, we we get our return of Homicide at this point uh, after the the match where Homicide attacks Carino. With uh, is Ricky Reyes with him, or is this the one where it's just smokes? Camera, uh, I think it might, I think it's just smokes. So, like, yeah, he and Julius Smokes are out there and they're trying to set up uh, you know, Drano to, to dump down Steve Carino's throat. And of course, Colt Cabana comes to the rescue in a spot that, like, as I watched today, I'm like, man, I was so into that then, and today I'm like, not so much. Ooh, that's not i don't like that i wouldn't I didn't do like that if then. i were a like that was just because that's see so but i i just i was so caught up in the moment i didn't yeah. care um and, and you know and obviously cole cabana is fine now because he's getting used to be used on AEW. apparently i don't i don't know what what's going on there with with him and his role there but dark order but it was yeah it was this big thing so it was all about the post-match but alex shelley got the win over yep. Carino, right? A little roll-up like, action, a ten minute, ten yep. or so minute match, and I mean, it wasn't about. The, even though the match, like Carino, is it was is, fine. Carino's Carino, like they involved a chair in the match. They did everything. Like, yep. like there was a lot in. I'll tell you what, I was disappointed match. in. I was disappointed that we did not get a ring yep. entrance announcement announcement from Carino's personal yep. announcer because we had to have Prince Nana and him get into it pie faced to start yeah. the match. Mm. And 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 we would see and, it on DVD because you 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 hype trained that for me. By the way, like that's the thing is you hype trained it. You were like, these are always really great. He's going to say something really funny. It's going to be about New Jersey because we're in New Jersey or something. And then we got we got nothing. We didn't get five things about New Jersey or anything. Right. Do you remember the original? Do you remember who Steve Carino's first Ring of Honor ring announcer was? Uh, no, I'm I'm not even going to pretend to try. No. 
That's a Belaz question. It was Bobby Cruz. Really? Yeah. Before huh. Bobby Cruz was the ring announcer, Ring of Honor, he was Steve Carino's personal ring announcer, and then of course became. Uh, and I don't know who replaced him, and I can't seem to find it. Um, who, who replaced him as Steve Carino's personal ring announcer? I actually think for the gimmick, the guy who replaced him was better, and and the guy oh, who yeah. replaced him did a damn good job. And great. yeah, I was bummed, kind of like you were bummed when you thought we weren't going to see Christopher Daniels at This Is War. I was bummed right. when we didn't get to see or hear Steve Carino's personal ring answer. Although, to their credit, the crowd sure did pop when Nana Pie faced him. So, you yes, gotta, you got to know, know which is what Nana would do. Like it's, of it's, you know, in keeping with the character, so you can't fault it too much. By the way, little nugget that you don't get at the live show, but is the be- one of my favorite parts of the DVD is that there is a segment with Carino fleeing the arena talking to David Pin not David Pinzer, uh, Gary Michael, Michael Petta. Petta, yeah. and, uh, and it's this it is clear that the show has been over for a while or that like, <laughs> the lights like, before are on. the show started yeah. or after the show is over but it's supposed to be like during the show Carino's trying to escape out the back door and he's freaking out about Trail being poured down people's throats, and we really need. To, I'm not coming back here until somebody gets this under control. And blah blah blah. And it's it's funny because Carino's funny in it, and yet at the same time, it does remind me of kind of like you know a '70s movie where the boom mic shows up in right. the in the package. She's like, "Come on, this isn't happening right now. Like nobody's here." You can hear people <laughs> talking about setting up or tearing down the ring yeah. in the background. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's whole thing. It's great. It is great. You just don't see that stuff anymore. I miss those kind of things. You sure I really don't. Do. So I definitely do do miss those. Um, next up, now things business picked up uh, on this card. As we had the last match before intermission, it was a four-corner survival match between yes, quite, quite the names in, in Ring of Honor, of course. Samoa Joe, who at the time was the TNA X Division champion. Jay Lethal, Patrick O'Dowd's favorite wrestler of all time, the Fallen Angel Christopher, Christopher Daniels, and the man who was responsible... For a soundbite that I just love to play so much that I got to find, and I, I don't know where it is, so I got to try to find this soundbite because, of course, I have far too many soundbites. Watch out for Keith. B.J. <laughs> Whitmer. <laughs> Which is so funny because that heart. literally was born on this podcast many years ago when... Yes, it was. It was this big, huge announcement. That BJ Whitmer was coming back to Ring of Honor, and we're like, and we used to call him Keith Whitmer because right. he was the most milk toast, bland, vanilla. Yeah, wrestler. like I'm happy for him. Like I was happy for him, like in the sense of, hey, you get to keep a job, and but like, let let's be real, butts and seats. Not BJ. People, people weren't being like, sign me up. Now he found, and, and really at this point, like this is was this is. Was this Lacey's Angels time? Was Lacey with him? And is what's that? This was after Lacey's Angels. Right. I think Lacey might have been that. Might have managed him for this match, but that was coming to an end. Him and Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, it was him and Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Watch out for Keith. Yeah, that's and that's just the thing. It's like we sort of looked at this guy and we're like, yeah, it's like Keith is showing up, but he's just not intimidating or scary. But he can go. Like he could oh, yeah, go. he can go. And the thing about BJ Whitmer was in ring, he's like 235 pounds, right? But in Ring of Honor, he's a big power dude. 
and he's right. got all kinds of fools he can throw around, and he's hitting exploders on everybody. He hits an exploder on Samoa Joe in this match that we just lost our shit over. And he had this, he had that long hair back uh-huh. then, like it was like down to like the small of his back, uh-huh. and then when he like, oh, yeah. then he shaved his head, like he cut it all off, yeah, and went you know, blonde later on. Then he married Kelly. He was bald for a while. Everything went crazy. So, and that um, fell apart. Yeah, that was that wasn't good. But this start this starts off because Jay Lethal had turned on Samoa Joe at the last yep. Ring of Honor show, and Jay Lethal comes out, gets interviewed by Gary Michael Capetta, and basically says which makes no sense whatsoever in hindsight, that he was upset because he saw Samoa Joe's paycheck and he was making more than Jay Lethal, which makes well, no sense because he Jay Because Jay had been the pure champion before Joe. Which he lost or, to or Joe. Like, He lost to Joe, which would have been a better way to get into this feud was like... Right. Instead of the mentor was making more than the mentee, but the best part of that promo, which you didn't even you didn't even talk about, was the crowd chanting "Joe's gonna kill you." What had happened previously to this match that Jay reminded the audience of at the, at the, at the show? I don't I don't remember. You're I already beat him. Oh yes, that's I right. beat him. He's like I beat him already. It's like shut up, I beat him already. What do you want from me? And that was and that was a, that was the new turn for Jay Lethal where he was starting to steal victories yep. and this was a classic example where everybody and their brother hits their finisher on on my boy daniels and and jay lethal steals the pin yep, through the back door they all because joe hits the muscle buster on daniels on the x division championship but then right. bj hits joe with a chair and then lethal kicks bj out of the ring hits Whitmore the diving out of the ring on, right. on Christopher Daniels and picks up the victory. Hell of a match, too. Like, just a highly it was good entertaining, time. you know, four-corner survival match. The four-corner survival match in Ring of Honor was interesting because it was definitely a way to protect people. Because right. it was typically, it was a one-fall situation. So, you know, you had Daniels taking the fall. Because Joe couldn't take the fall, but they didn't need Joe to win. You wanted Jay Lethal to win. Although, it was kind of the beginning of the end for Jay Lethal. Like, by February, he was gone. Like, we went to the for fifth the first anniversary time, yeah. show. And he loses to, to Joe, and then he's gone. So, well, the other thing that was interesting, you talked about how it protects people. Four corner survival is a, a way that Gabe often was able to manage multiple angles as well, yeah. because the other, there was another angle that's going on there. And again, uh, on the DVD, they play it out in some interviews and backstage promos because Daniels and Joe had a, had a long history in ring of honor. Right. Like and Daniels TV. brought Joe in, uh, but Daniels had never gotten the pin on Joe in, a, in like a one-on-one match or anything like that. And after this match, Daniels does a backstage interview slash promo where he talks about being muscle busted on the X division title and how this has gone too far. And in the beginning of two, 2006, when they start doing the anniversary stuff, Daniels and Joe have like three matches, yeah. um, one right after another that eventually where, Daniels finally gets his finally gets his pin on Samoa Joe. Well, he had pinned before Joe, then losing two more times. He pinned Joe in the four way match where Punk lost the world title, right? Right. The elimination match, but that was not a one on one. He gets the one on one victory in the feud that you're talking about. Because um, you know Samoa Joe is susceptible to flash pins, so he is very much so. That that definitely, gotta, definitely he, those those inside cradles and roll ups you yes. got to watch out for. Them. So, which we we saw multiple times happen in Samoa Joe's career. Survival um, of the fittest, Joe. Yep, Poor that's guy. where I think it was Aries that eliminated him there. 
Because yep. Ares and Strong eliminate everybody and then fight each other. So actually, it might have been Cabana. I don't know. I got to go back and watch it. I haven't seen that show. I think before. it was Cabana. It might have been. Cabana loves those roll ups. So he, he definitely, definitely loves, loves the roll ups. He's, he's, he's a Matt classic. Yes, he is a Matt classic. This match also features Christopher Daniels instructing Jay Lethal that it's time for the moonsault spot. And whenever you watch that DVD, like you hear it plain as day. But this is. And I saw an, I read about an interview with Edge recently where Edge talked about he was wrestling somebody early in his career, and the guy was like, "Okay, we're going to go to this spot," and like Edge turns around and does it, and the guy's like, "Not yet," and and that's the thing. Right. Like if you watch this match, Daniels calls for the moonsault spot, and then it takes several minutes before they actually get to the moonsault spot. And right. but it, what's really funny is that it's like. You know, okay, it's time for the moonsault spot. And then you hear Daniels, come on, Jay, let's go. Like, it's like he's literally, you know, he's the ring general. He's at the time, if you think about, okay, it's 2020 and he's a 50 year old man. He was 35 at this point, probably easily right. the oldest person in that match. Um, but just such a such a great thing. And, and that's back, you know, when, when they could bring out the X Division Championship. And of course, it factors into the finish of the match because Lethal brought it into the ring. And, and then, and then, you know, they, they did it out. Of course, Lacey and Alice in Danger had the little cat fight. During yes, the match they as did. Well, to, to let the guys rest a little bit, um, which is, you know, pop the crowd, of course. Um, I used to love. I mean, Alice in Danger was in, was in that nun outfit. Right. I used that to love Steve the, Carino the, would always call her a slut on commentary, right. which is great since it's his <laughs> sister. But that's just, you know, neither here nor there. Just a really good match that, that was highly entertaining. BJ, one of his, you know, was a hell of a star in this match. Like I said, did a lot of great stuff and and just really, really delivered big time. Then we went to intermission. Of course, saw little Alex Shelley coming out of the shower and got to hang out a little bit and have some fun. Then we came back to, at the time, the, the top of the class trophy holder, Davey Andrews, going one-on-one with Ricky Reyes. The gimmick at the time was that Ricky Reyes was beating up students. From the academy, trained, and trained by Austin Aries, by right? Austin Aries, of course, because Austin Aries was was the head trainer at the time, and um, and of kept course, destroying the trophy. Yes, destroys the trophy, and and on the DVD they don't even show this whole match. They show the beginning and the end only. Not that the match was very right. long. In fact, it probably seems longer on the DVD than it really was. Um, Ricky Reyes beats Davey Andrews. What I didn't know about this until today was that 10 days later, Davey Andrews would retire from pro wrestling right. forever. And he was like the prized student that was going to be, you know. I, I was going to ask, like, whatever happened to him? And I was like, you were either going to be like, you now know him as blah, 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 yeah. or he's done. You now like, know him just... as, you know, the manager of your local Walmart. But he, I don't know what he does. But, yeah, he was like the prized student, and he would retire from the business and and you know, hopefully went on to bigger and better things. Um and of course, this is actually where they cut to Steve Carino leaving the building that you were talking right. about. Um, but this was really a whole thing done for Austin Aries to come out, which kind of stunk because then we didn't get the Aries intro with with personal. We Jesus got it many. We, we got it many times later. Yeah, we did. You're right. Um, but he comes out and just destroys Ricky Reyes like with personal shit about his drinking problem and everything. Yep. And and so just rips into him completely and then basically says, you know, and, and Roddy comes out too. He's like, well, we're here. Let's bring out the tag champs and have our match, which, of course, is right. the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match. Tony Mamaluke 
and Sal Renaro defending said championships against the uh, representing Generation Next, Austin Aries, and Roderick Strong. Now, interesting. What I have is my reference is saying that Aries and Strong earned that match by beating Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal at a night of tribute. I thought they earned the match by winning Steel Cage Warfare against the Embassy, but apparently I'm wrong. So that that's how yeah, I yeah. thought they earned it, but, but whatever. Um, this is so... Tony Mamaluke and Sal Renaro, of course, beat BJ Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs to become Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Or maybe they beat the No, the, it was them. It was them. They didn't Funny story. Because they, they beat them at uh Joe versus Kabashi. Oh, okay. Which was the other show that I watched. Yeah. Uh <laughs> when we were talking about this randomly not too long ago. Okay. Cause when they because when they showed up, I was like, oh, is this when they did that? Is this when that happened? Yeah. Because I mean, you let's talk. I mean, let's be real. It was the transitional champs. Oh, big time! Big time. At, 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 at its biggest definition, held had five title defenses. Right, which never in were they is still a transitional. Never were they after intermission until this one, which is right. the point I wanted to make. Like this was there's there's transitional champs, and then there's. Tony Mamaluke and Sal Renaro. Like, they, they weren't just transitional champs to get the belts to Aries. They were transitioning the titles from an undercard act to a main event act. And right. that's what I wanted to talk about here. Like, okay, okay, Roderick Strong and Austin Aries win the match. Like, obviously. Okay. We all knew that was, was going to happen. It was, a, it, was a, it was a surprisingly sustained squash. Yeah, it was like, like the, 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 the longest extended squash ever. Like, it really was. Like, you just knew what was going to happen. You knew what, what, you know, it was an 18 minute match that didn't need to be an 18 minute long match. It was literally an 18 minute ass kicking for Aries and strong just to, to, right. to get all their shit in and show that they're a great tag team, which they were. But after this, I mean, tag team wrestling took off in ring of honor. Yeah. Cause, well, and you look at, cause at the start of the next year, you get, uh, not not right away in January, but we were there for it when the Briscoes come back. Mm-hmm. The at the fourth the tag show, team, man, the Briscoes came back. Yep, the fourth anniversary show. The Briscoes come back. You're going to get the Kings of Wrestling are going to start show are going to show up later in the year. It it just became a legitimate thing, you know. And, and I remember like there was a period after this, like oh six oh seven where it was every bit as hot as any other few, like you look at like Owens and Generico and their chase after um, Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black slash Seth Rollins for all of you. Now you look at, you know, people going after the Kings of wrestling. It was, it was just as important. And, and for a fan of tag team wrestling, like was so excited when one of the Massachusetts shows that ring of honor did was the tag team tournament to crown new champions. Mm-hmm. Where everybody was certain that that was going to be when Owens and Generico, or sorry, Owens and, Steen and Generico, yeah. And it's not Owens, yeah. Steen and Generico were going to finally win the tag titles. And they, I mean, they even did the hope spot. They even did the Generico gets taken out and has to come back from the back to try and save the day. And they still lost that match, which was great booking yeah. by Gabe when they finally did win that match in Boston. Uh, and I was there for that one too. Because that was his big, uh, holy, I had so much fun at that show. Because yep. I had seen them not get it. And then to see exactly. them get it, Perfect like just being a part of that was great. But this but, match, uh, I want to go back to this match. Because yeah. Mama Luke and Ro- like we all knew 
what was going to happen. Like we all oh, yeah, knew. Totally. And, and it was okay that we all knew. Like that's the thing. Like it's, it's imagine a right. show where every single person in the building knows what's going to happen. And every single person in the building wants it to happen. And, and right. everybody was just waiting and everybody was okay waiting and, and just watching Aries and Strong do their thing. One of my favorite moments is when, um, you know, uh, you know, Roderick Strong get, you know, goes in the corner, does his chops, tags in Austin Aries. Austin Aries, and Roderick Strong, of course, at the time was known for chopping the hell out of people. Aries yeah. tags in and chops Mama Luke and I don't know. And the crowd boos. Because this chop wasn't loud enough or whatever. So he tags and poor Mama Luca Renaro. He tags strong back in just so he it can was, chop It was again. Sal. Was it Sal? Of course it was. Sal. Sal poor man. Sal. Poor Sal. I mean, bless his heart. Like, he's still working today. I think he still he's works still, for Re- Impact Wrestling. Um, Didn't we see him yeah, in Vegas? I, I, saw him, I saw him on NWA. Did on you? The, okay. uh, on the studio show. Yeah. Uh, on those, so I don't know if he's still working with them. With if he's working for NWA, he's not working for Impact Wrestling. I can tell you that. No one works right. for both those companies. It's just not a thing. No, they hate each other. But um, but no, that Sal, Sal Renaro is still he's he different different look now. He no longer has trunks that say "Save by the Sal" in the "Save by the Bell" letters. So bless bless his heart. He's classic. He's moving forward there. Yeah, it was just he, so good. So it was, and and they finally win. You know, it, it's, it's strong with the backbreaker. Aries with the four fifty, and Generation Next becomes the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. The second straight final battle where um, Austin Aries wins a world title as he had the shocking win over Samoa Joe in two thousand and four, winning the Ring of Honor World Championship there. Um, this, of course. Steve Williams, Dr. Steve Williams, Terry Gordy referred to as a miracle violence connection. The author of, of my reference here calls Sal Renaro and Tony Mamaluke the miracle jobber connection. So that is, is it, you know, it, it's, it's, and it, it kind of came from FIP and that, that's how this did, but it right. just, this, this put tag team wrestling in the main event for ring of Honor. hell. We talk about the two Phoenix, Arizona ring of honor shows. The first night was main evented by the American wolves and the Briscoes. It's the famous match yep. we talk about where Adam Pierce tells them to go home whenever they want to, and they wrestle for another like 30 minutes. And, right. and we joked with Adam Pierce the next day about what those guys did, and his response was, because they're stupid. So that's everything we needed to know about Adam Pierce in one interaction. Um, but this is just a great example. Again, the finish is the foregone conclusion, but yet it was worth kind of like when Kofi Kingston beat Brian Danielson at WrestleMania 35. You knew, or Daniel Bryan, right. excuse me, I'm in a ring of honor mode. You knew what was going to happen, but you were ready for it. You wanted it. You wanted it to build. You wanted everything. So that was, that was it. Which brings us to the final two matches of the night. Um, Maybe one of the best one-two punches of, of two main events ever. I don't know. Who knows? But the first one, of course, the Ring of Honor World Championship match, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, defending against pro wrestling Noah Starr. Uh, hadn't yet ascended to the mountaintop there. Naomichi Marafuji. And uh, well, I want to talk about opinions on the match because once we talk about the two final matches, then we can kind of talk about which one was better because it's it's a fun little thing for you and I to talk about. But... The great match between these two, just just a, a, a game of one-upsmanship and and just trademark right. Brian Danielson. Right. The the thing that I loved about this was um, you got to see some of those like Brian Brian Danielson was really starting to adopt some of those like famous heelish tendencies that he would have 
later on throughout his his run as the champ. Like he would tease the surfboard and then not do it and do a knee stomp. He would get somebody in a, into a corner or into the ropes and wait till the referee was at four, let him go and say, I have till five referee. And he would put five fingers up and there people was really got into that. I don't know what match it was, but there was a match where he, he doesn't do that in, in WWE. He puts somebody there and the ref counts to four and Danielson breaks Brian Daniels, you know, Brian, Daniel Bryan breaks and he's a heel at the time. And Corey Graves on commentary goes, he has till five referee and Corey right. Graves is just so underrated. Whatever. Like people, he knows, he knows. Lucky bastard. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That was a, a very um a very well placed comment by, by you. Thank you. Patrick O'Dowd. I just very yeah, well I think comment. you described it so well. Uh, like, I was trying to get serious. I, I, I was trying to bring it back. <laughs> I had to do it for you. You're like, nope. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna play right over it. Why not? I appreciate. And it was an appreciation, of course. So uh, thank you for that. The one husbandship thing was was yeah. It was just like every everything seems to be an attempt to top the other one, and you know, and they they start off just you know with slaps to the back of the head after putting each other in headlocks and things like that, and just the moves get bigger. And bigger and bigger until yeah. you until you're at the end and you're like you're out of your chair. Like I, I remember we we stood up for half half the match and yeah. half the next one. Yeah, it was just so good and, and and it was really like there were points in the match where you're like, okay, I'd be okay with Marifuji winning. Like right, and, and this was just the, really the beginning of of Danielson's run. He'd won the belt in August. And, and, you know, and, and of course he's working, you know, just, just a phenomenal wrestler, athlete, everything. And, and just so many good things like a spinning toe hold that you don't see all the time. It's like Brian Daniel, like if you think Daniel Bryan is good and he should, and you should, because he is right. Absolutely. You need to go watch some of his matches from ring of honor when he was on his world title run, because he is amazing. He is legitimately one of the greatest wrestlers to ever step foot in a ring. And that is one of the greatest runs any individual has ever had. And and just to put it out there and to bring back a name, we've already talked about his feud with Nigel McGinnis Mm -hmm. and the two of them. It's, it's as good as anything you can possibly watch in a ring. They're like, they were so good. When Ring of Honor was doing their pay-per-views where they would pre-tape them and kind of release them, and we went to Respect is Earned 2. Um, I don't right. remember the name of it, but there was one that they filmed somewhere. But then they, in like Philly or somewhere else, ran a match with Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson. I think unannounced, or I don't even know. And they ended up using that on the pay-per-view broadcast. So the first like four matches were in one location. Then they went to this other match. And it was a weird, it was like super dark and smoky where the arena was which you know is a look I love in wrestling. And those guys just beat the hell out of each other. Like that match is one of the best. I need to find it and watch it because that, that match is just insanely good. Um, it ends up on the DVD of the original show. It was on like as a bonus match, but it's also on that pay-per-view. Um, and, and just such, such a good match. And, um, and it's, it's, it's interesting because the review that I have in front of me for this talks about, basically says the first half of the match had no heat and Marifuchi seemed unmotivated. And I don't know that that's accurate. I don't know that they were watching 
the Matt? I don't know. There's people I, that were there. I, I think it was more the gimmick. Like, I think he was basically right. trying to pretend that, that Brian Dennison wasn't in his league and, and that right. this was going to be an easy night's work for him. Right. And throughout the, the, the match builds, like that's, that's the other thing is a good match shouldn't start off or doesn't always necessarily need to start off with. I was going to say, we can't say shouldn't start off because there's the next match. Right. But they, again, it was a story that was being told and there was a back and forth there and they really built up the drama and pulled the crowd in as they sped things up. And it was a slow starting match because they're feeling each other up or feeling each other out, (laughs) not up. That's different. And right. And again, but it's one upsmanship. Like it's, yeah. you know, they're chain wrestling and trying to show each other up. Then then they start moving into some bigger moves and they start going for drop kicks and hurricane ranas and drop toe holds and back elbows and roaring elbows. And like it just gets harder and faster all the way through. And was it by the end of that match, it's it's very dynamic, just in, in just very not flippy shit, but it's very flashy in the way that it ends. And I use that word intentionally knowing right. what we're going into in the next match. Well, and it flashy too, because it was the good old flash pin, you know, it was a big right. roll up sequence that led to the finish of the match. Um, where, where Danielson was able to hold him down a 24 minute match, just a great match, a great title defense for, for Brian Danielson. Um, and, and a lot of people thought that should have been the main event. It wasn't. The main event was, of course, Kenta defending the GHC junior heavyweight championship against Loki, in in the one on one affair, of course, this match had like a ceremonial reading of of the decree that they do for for Pro Wrestling Noah whenever a GHC championship is defended. I think you had people like presenting flowers. I mean, it was the whole big get up that they could do. Um, and it was Kenta, and it was for and, and Loki, and we we we're highly critical of Loki, like we just are, like right. all the time, and deservedly so because he buys into his own hype. Like, there's no bigger fan of Loki in this world than Loki. That's why you don't see him much anymore. But this is probably the best low-key match I've ever seen in my life. And that includes all the stuff he did in TNA during the first run. So it's, it's. I mean, he just, these two guys, and this was our first experience seeing Kenta. I don't think we either yep. had ever seen him, but we'd heard about the guy. And I mean, these dudes just from the beginning, like they locked up and then within 10 seconds, Loki's hanging over the rope in an arm bar. With right. Kenta trying to finish the match, and like these guys just beat the hell out of each other. This this was as minutes. stiff a match as I've like. This wasn't snug. Like this no. was stiff. This was so like they you you were kidding. The first round of kicks like took took the wind out of my <laughs> my lungs. Like I can't imagine how Key felt taking that kick. And then he gives as good as he gets. Like the two of them really do kick the crap out of each other. I, for me, it's the Falcon arrow off the top. Yep. That, I was going to say every, because, you know, every time like that spot had that pulled again out of the chair. Like it just. Yeah. The, Seth the Rollins would steal that look, spot, you know, 18 years later, but that was, yeah. Right. Cause, cause it's not just a Falcon arrow off top rope. Like, he jumps up to the top rope and then immediately yep. hits the Falcon Arrow. Like these two guys were brilliant performers. And it's insane because yeah, you know, Kenta, 
I don't know. I, I think I think his career will go he'll go down as like didn't ascend to the heights he should have ascended to. And probably the same at with least, Loki. At least in the WWE. Everywhere. Like he he's yeah. he's never been the top guy. But in ring, that's he's got true. the talent to be the top. And now he's been marred by injuries. If you look at him physically, how he looks in this match, and look at how he looks now, he does not. He looks nothing like that. Like the dude was jacked and and was just an insane talent. Um, and it's just such a good match. Such I mean, these guys just like I said, beat the hell out of each other, and and just just everything they could do. Kenta famous for the go to sleep. And of course, you know, which CM Punk would later steal. Um, and, and then can't remember when yep. he couldn't use it in NXT for a while. And then he would tease it and drop out of it. And then he finally does use it and everybody pops. That wasn't even the finish back then. Like that was the right. setup. That was, that was the lead kick. to the knee. Yeah. Uh, which he hit and just completely creams low key with. And, um, and that's, that's the finish. And it was just, it's funny too, because you're talking about a match that's damn near 30 minutes and it flew by. And I remember this is one of those matches that I'm watching and thinking, I don't want this match to end because I don't know where we could ever go from here. Like right. this might just be it. And here's the thing, like it nowadays people might watch it and think it's a little spotty, a little too much. This is the difference between seeing a match live and seeing a match on TV or on DVD or whatever. Because 100%. this is live. It's kind of like Joe versus Kabashi, right? Like that match. Like I mean, I'm sure if we had been there. Yeah, we'd love it. We talk about how great it is and, and all that. Um, to their credit, the guys who wrote this article both end it with their top 10 matches for Ring of Honor 2015. And it comes in right. number four on the list for both of them. Um, so that, you know. So, yeah, so it's definitely up there. Joe versus Kabashi, by the way, comes in number two for both of them. The number one match for both of them was actually the Brian Danielson Roderick Strong match that we saw live at This Means War, which was. Mm -hmm. That classic. That it was a great match. It was a great match. Um, and, 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 but this match just, I mean, we're sitting there and we're chanting five star match and, and all the other indie bullshit that people do. But this yep. was just, just, I mean, and it's these two matches that, yeah, there's a lot of great things about this show. I mean, the, the Claudio versus Nigel match and you've got the four way and, and, and you've got, you know, Aries and Strong winning the tag titles. But if not for, Brian Danielson defending against Naomichi Marafuji and Kenta defending against Loki, we wouldn't call this the greatest night in the history of our sport. No, not at all. Like the the adrenaline that those two matches pumped into our yeah. collective veins got us back to to Storrs, Connecticut, relatively awake. Like, I, and I mean, I'm always kind of amped after a wrestling show. Like, even yeah. even a crappy wrestling show, I'm always kind of amped up. Like just jitters, like just so crazy intense, you know, while we yeah. stopped at the McDonald's on the New Jersey Turnpike or whatever it was, I'm just making it up. I think it was, uh, it was you know, to, to just think that it was so euphoric, it was so crazy. And it made the whole, you know, I joked at the very beginning about, oh, you know, I was the paranoid guy. Didn't matter what happened. We got home. No, it was so it was worth it. It was, it was worth, worth the twenty dollars we spent to see it because that was back when ROH was more affordable. Yeah, and I think we only paid twenty bucks for our second row seats. Uh, I think this one and, we were like the fifth row. Were we, we that far back? back? I think we were a little further back. Uh, all I, I do know quick. that you can see the top of my you can see the top of our heads. Yeah, because we're on the hard camera side 
Um, I think we're closer than you think. I think we might've been third row. Maybe like before we kind of got onto the game that you could just go buy tickets for the next right. event at the, at the current from, event from, from a seat at the table. Uh, right. I, I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> um, no, now you got to be part of the honor club and pay right. like a hundred bucks for tickets, but yeah, right. Not doing that. No. So here's my the good old dates for you. And this is where I love having this conversation. Loki versus Kenta or Brian Danielson versus Marifuji. Which one's better? Which is better? I mean, it's not a fair question, but um, I mean, it's a fair question, but it, honestly, it depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and like in, in my most recent rewatch, like Loki Kenta was the one that, that I walked away from happier with like you just rewatching it a couple of days ago Marifuji oh i was and very much and i was Loki Kenta. Kenta. and right although i loved marifuji after that after their their match like i loved all four guys and and we would get kenta joe and danielson later which is just phenomenal stuff and and right and just so many you know good combinations of all those guys um and i think we got kenta and kobashi on a ring of honor show at one point um which of course it was a, it was a tag right like they were maybe yeah i think they went one yes. on one at one point too which of course kabashi goes over because well it's kabashi um right he had to go over i mean he beat samoa joe in nine minutes with an elbow so it's, it's what they do there were some suplexes there were a few I... suplexes there were a couple of them lots um go go back and rewatch the match greg city i know no i I agree it's it's still overrated but it's it's still good there's more to there's more to it than an elbow oh i know the 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 the, greg greg demarco burying (laughs) yoga it would not it would not be my number two match of 2005 in in ring of water yeah no like i mean we we'd probably the crowd as you say the crowd makes that match it does and it should and it definitely should like that's just what what they do and, and, and where they're at. But this was, for me, it was Loki Kenta and, and all of that. So, so, you know, match of the night can be Loki versus Kenta can be Brian Danson versus Naomichi Marifuji. What's your favorite match of the night though? My favorite match of the night. Um, gosh, probably honestly looking, uh, honestly, if I were looking at the show as a whole, Funny story. It's it's Nigel and Claudio. Yeah, yeah. Favorite because it, because it's, it's the story. Yeah, it's, it's the story. story. Like it's totally the story behind the match. Like that's what makes it stand out. Like that's what I like. I remember more details from that match than any of the other matches we talked about. Like I even did it on the show. Like yeah. that's that's what comes away with it. Like I acted out. Like you all can't see this because we don't we don't we don't stream our our video. I acted out Paul Turner. Yeah, you did. You did. You pointed to your eyes. You did everything. Yep. You definitely did. For me, it's Aries and Strong versus the Miracle Jobber Violence Connection or whatever. Um, right. Just because it, it's, I just, we just knew what was going to happen. And it was just like, you know, it's like Christmas morning. You already know what presents you're getting, but you can't wait to open them. Like, that's what that match was. Like, you just... You just loved every second of it and they delivered on it and you got your moment. They won the tag team titles and tag team wrestling became a major thing for ring of honor after that. And, and we were all there for it. We were all excited. Um, and they just beat the crap out of those guys for 20 minutes. And I mean, they had their moments too. The heels did, but not like, yep. or the whatever they were, but they weren't nothing. really heels. Nah, like it was weird. Was. Like, 
Tony Mamalu kind of acted a little heelish for a while, uh, but yeah, at, Which at, at the end, nobody cared. No, nobody cared. It was all about Aries and Strong, and it should have been, right. and it was, um, and it was just great. Um, so, so we've got all those items. So, last thing I'll ask you: favorite moment of the night. Favorite moment of the night? Oh, it's the toilet paper. Yep. Me too. This is toilet paper. It's hilarious. Because <laughs> like, it was just, we knew we had toilet paper. We threw right. toilet paper. But seeing the volume of toilet paper was still yeah, just, just, a, just so much. Like so much toilet paper. See, see I thought you were going to talk, you were going to ask me what like the most memorable ROH moment was. And, and that was going to be a different answer. Like from the show or just overall? Just like overall, like uh, of all the shows, because we've been to so many. But yours is probably Steen and Generico winning the tag team titles. Honestly, it's it's not. No. Um, though it's it's number two. It's Joe showing up to save the day against uh, Necro Butcher. Okay. Um, during that feud. And I'm trying to remember the circumstance. Or not um, Joe. Homicide. Um, it's the chair ride one. Homicide. Yeah, chair ride. yeah. Homicide shows up. Homicide. Because Shakes Joe hands, couldn't wrestle. Been- so Joe and Necro Butcher start off, and then Joe immediately powders out. You get the big brawl with Adam Pearce and BJ Whitmer and the CCW guys, and then here comes Homicide. And then and you're like, whose side's he on? Right, and then he beats, hey. and then him and Necro Butcher fight, and then Homicide throws a chair in the ring and says, fuck it. Let's get this motherfucker. The and then, and then I don't throw a chair. No, we threw your chair and the little kid next to you, and, and yeah, it was just... It wasn't. Well, it was you who threw the chair. Unless you're the little kid next to me, ass face. Which I can't. Which I can't. No, the kid was in front of us. I think. But yeah, we. And then we, we ducked. And then we ducked. But then we also took advantage of the opportunity to be in the front row, pounding on the boards, right? Because that's what you do back yep. then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did get to be a part of a chair riot, and and that's something that will never be taken away from us. Um, but number so, two is Steen and Generico. Okay. Like easily, and it's probably one and one a. If you really wanted to get, if you wanted to really parse, yeah. parse there it is down. the Eric Stevens, Roderick strong fight without honor with a ladder almost falls on us. That was one where thing. Eric Stevens almost dies. Yeah. Like Stevens, by the scared, way, just, scared, just scared for Eric third retirement from wrestling. So yes, I noticed that and this one's he looks so play. different now. Yeah. From, well, he lost from, all the weight. He was skinny. skinny he, yeah, he is. So he was so jacked with the Mohawk. But it didn't work, eh, you know. But he's not. Yeah. He he used to be bitter. He's not bitter anymore. He's happy. So he got to go out on the terms this time. So good for him. But that is it. So if you've never seen it, go back, find a way, watch Ring of Honor Final Battle, two thousand and five. Highest recommendation from from Greg DeMarco and Patrick O'Dowd. One hell of a show. One that we got to be there live. We've both seen it on DVD countless times. Patrick's probably seen it. Four times as many times as I have, if not more. <laughs> but it is a classic in every sense of the word. E- you know, we could ramble off. I mean, of the nine matches on this card, we can probably ra- ramble off. There's probably a good six that would hold up no matter what. And and that's just yeah. part of it. And, of course, a hell of a moment with Aries and Strong, immediately followed by just one of the best double main events you can find anywhere. If you think about it, those matches were each almost 30 minutes long. Plus you got the intros, plus you got the post-match shenanigans. That was almost an hour and a half of the night. This card started right. at 7 p.m. We didn't get out of the building till like 1230. Yeah, it was, it was a, a late, and a half late hour night. long show. And I didn't want it to end. 
Like that's right. the crazy thing about it. Like the show goes five and a half hours and you don't want it to end. That's a mark of a wrestling show. And to me, you know, short of the weekend that we worked for the company might be the peak of, of ring of honor and, and live and, and whatever, just such a great night. And that's why we call it the greatest night in the history the of our sport, in the history of our sport, because that's what it is. And yeah, it'll always be that it'll always be uh, something to remember and something that we're always going to have. So, Ring of Honor, Final Battle, 2005. Go watch it. The greatest night in the history of our sport. Bringing you in partnership with Lucha Brothers, as well as well Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks worse. from your favorite Talk Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution <laughs> luchadores. Stay safe in style lucha and represent your Thank favorite you. luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes, and you better make it good. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. The clock is ticking, and we're in the clear. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. I don't even have a three minute warning. We're already 90 minutes into the program and it was a damn good time. A damn good stroll down memory lane. Um, you know, it's, it's ring of honor is not the same company it once was before. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think this return for ring of honor has been very entertaining as I've been watching, um, you know, it's available for free on fight TV and, and been able to watch ring of honor and reviewing it for the chair shot, which I don't do a lot of reviews. So that's fun as well. Um, and of course, there's Jay Lethal front and center, and, and is still part of that. And uh, I've come to love seeing Jonathan Gresham wrestle now, which, which is something that uh, is, is more new to me. And just a lot of really good uh, action involved in the current Ring of Honor product. And, and the non-wrestling stuff is way too goofy for me. It's just weird. It, it's 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 like it's on another <laughs> planet in another time. Like it's just strange. But once that bell rings, it's highly entertaining stuff. And and I think they're doing a great job with it. But uh definitely recommend that also recommend final battle 2005 patrick o'dowd on the twitter at wrestling realist w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t we talked about it a little bit already but let the people know what's in store for them if they haven't already listened to this week's edition of your show bandwagon nerds like I said, we had a um a, a supersized panel to cover the season finale of the boys season two. I uh, had a lot of fun with uh, PC Tony, Chris Platt, and Ray Cash, along with Dave. And in the second half of the show, we did an interview uh, for uh, with a guy named Tim Carlson, who uh, is the owner of a business called Staff and Branch. Talked a little Dungeons and Dragons, got into the gamer side of of nerdum for a change. I haven't done that in a while, so that was. That was a nice little, uh, nice little change of pace after after what we've been doing for for months now. It seems like I gotta say, like uh, we've talked about it before, but the doing a show review one week at a time just so much better 
than doing the massive 1000. It's so much easier when the company that puts the show out, does it one week at a time as well. That's true. Um, But it's, and, and these, I don't know if there's no way we could have done the season justice on any level. If we had tried to do the mass upload thing, because there's like the last three episodes of the boys are so dense, which is why it takes so long to go through that panel. Really? There's just so much to cover and talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. So, um, What's the movie this week? The movie this week, uh, because it's playoff baseball season, we're going back to our childhood and reviewing the 90s classic, The Sandlot. Mm, there you go. Very cool. So that will be available balls. later this week over at thechairshot.com. No hashtag Miranda show to preview this week. You can go follow Miranda Morales on the Instagram at the hashtag Miranda. Lots of great stuff still coming out over at thechairshot.com. I should have another Ring of Honor review out here in the next couple of days. Hopefully we'll get another pod is war. Schedules have been really crazy for those guys over the past couple of weeks. Women's Wrestling Talk will be available for you tomorrow. Just a lot of great stuff over at thechairshot.com. So go check it out. Go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot. Pick up your very own Chairshot t-shirt. I think it was 27 designs currently available over there at the show. If you're local, November 21st over at the Sun Studios of Arizona, NAV 30, presented by Impact Zone Wrestling as we celebrate 30 years of the impact and influence of the Navajo Warrior. Of course, every time I say that, I follow it up with the caveat, no, this is not a retirement show. He's still going strong, but we will celebrate 30 years of the Navajo Warrior. Get your tickets while you still can over at IZWWrestling.com. When this comes out, Wednesday should be the day that the first match or two are announced for NAV30. So definitely check that out as well over on social media at IZW Wrestling AZ. You can find me on your, your social media at Chairshot Greg. The, the website is thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Follow that at Chairshot Media on all your forms of social media. And if you want something a little non-wrestling, of course, Head on over to ndcq.com. Pick up your not dead, can't quit apparel reminders. Use that promo code DeMarco. Save 30%. That's more than just the shipping and the and the tax. Like you'll actually save money on your stuff. And, and that's what's important. So do all of that. And hey, next week we should actually have a normal show. We're going to sit down and go over the five major male champions in professional wrestling and talk about just kind of are they the best champions for those companies? Are they, they the best champions for those titles right now? And just kind of go over what we're looking at and what we think. Real quick, Patrick O'Dowd, Monday Night Raw, we saw the, the Street Profits get drafted to SmackDown as the Raw Tag Team Champions. We, of course, on Friday Night SmackDown, New Day beats Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro to become the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So on Raw, they just simply traded the belts. And... So you being the tag team wrestling guy that you are, the hashtag save tag team wrestling, thoughts on the hashtag belt swap that took place on Raw? I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about how valuable the tag titles are in the WWE, and, and at least in the sense of, I mean, if it's as easy as swapping the branded titles, why do you have two titles? Make it make it one and have the tag champs move about because it's dumb. I, I hate it. I, I and maybe right. it's you. You know me. I just I hate it. There's people like, that hated it. Stupid. So I've seen people talk about WCW in 2000. 
I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't hate it just because, first of all, it's, it's you know, know what you're watching at WWE. And sure. I feel like it was just the simplest way, right? Just just keep it simple. Right. I mean, it doesn't make them not champions. Right. Um, and it's just, no. now, what's me, it's just so arbitrary. They're counting like that, them I guess as new reigns, supposedly. So now the New Day are 10-time tag team champions. Um, that's interesting to me. Uh, uh, it's it's Okay. You know, but to me, it's just like they're they're they're, they're props, especially in WWE. Right. They're props. That's what they did with the props. It's new. It hasn't been done before, so we give them credit for doing something like that. It's really funny. So back in the nineties, um, it was actually part of the build to WrestleMania two thousand as we're coming out of the Attitude Era when the New Age Outlaws were wrestling as singles wrestlers. Billy Gunn was the hardcore champion, and the Road Dog was yep. the Intercontinental champion. And there was some moment they had in the ring in the build up to WrestleMania 2000, which just eventually ended up just, just being called WrestleMania, no number, no year, no nothing, where Road Dog offered to trade belts with Billy Gunn because everyone wanted Billy Gunn to be the Intercontinental Champion, Road Dog to be the Hardcore Champion. And people were mad that it didn't happen because yeah, that's funny. just what they wanted to see. So it's just the fickleness of, of wrestling fans. Yeah. You're talking about something that's, you know, 20 years later at this point. But I think people are overreacting a little bit to it because that's what we do in the world of professional uh, wrestling. I, I thought they still had the red ass over the New Day breaking up. I don't think um, the New Day are broken up. I, I think the story is, is, first of all, it's going to be an opportunity for a faction to exist, able to exist across multiple brands and right. show that they can't be broken up and they won't be broken up. I think it's it's... Could be a story for next year's draft to try to get them back together. It could be a story to try to negotiate some kind of trade, or it could be a story with Biggie winning the Royal Rumble. And right, look, that that was that was my thing. It was like maybe this is Biggie's big single shot that everybody's hoping yeah. for. And you if know, Biggie like wins the Royal Rumble, are you really going to be that mad that they have the New Day on separate? Right, brands? right. But they're not breaking up the New Day. They might be splitting up the New Day. Now it was great when Stephanie read off, you know. The draft picks, and she was like, The New Day, Kofi Kings, and Xavier Woods. And they're like, You didn't say Biggie's name. Say Biggie's name. Say Biggie's name. And I honestly think, and, and it's just the way the draft works because it goes Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw. I think it would have been better if they announced Biggie first because it's almost right. like SmackDown picked because Raw didn't take Biggie or whatever. And I think, you know, it would have made, it would have put Biggie over a little bit if SmackDown took Biggie and then Raw took. Whatever, but I also hate how they do this draft. So that's you know, yeah, that's I don't me. like it either. I again, no. my favorite draft. I don't remember the year. I think it's two thousand and four. Was when they did it over like five weeks, and each week one new person showed up on Raw or SmackDown, and it was a huge moment that. every time. And then I, think I still remember. Crazy. I still remember Chris Jericho bringing in John Cena one yeah. year during their draft, and that fucking place went nuts and then smackdown had no world champion spent weeks getting ready to crown a new world champion and then right before it happened canceled it all out because they just got batista and so right it was you know it was just a great bit of storytelling and 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 i just i i hate this we do this big giant draft and not everybody changes but they're just they want it to feel like the nfl draft and it just can't so. Well, and if you're going to do that, then you at least have to, as we go well past our three minute warning, um, if you're going to do that, this is have. the thing that, this is the thing that bothered me is you could have Stephanie McMahon play the commissioner role announcing the draft picks, but give me a raw war room and give me a SmackDown yeah, war which they room did the so that like around. it looks, yeah. So that you have that look of like each brand trying to do the best for the brand. 
like out of the pool. Well, now uh, the, raw, the the war room would not go over very well right now in the COVID era. So I get you. You you still so have a fucking Zoom call set up or something. Yeah. I don't know. Put that on but the do screen. S- right. But do something to where it looks like people are taking calls or doing whether Adam Pierce could be one and whoever. Mm-hmm. You know, you fucking have Bruce Pritchard be the guy. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Just have somebody there so that it looks like each brand's trying to do something. Uh, with Stephanie McMahon just announcing them, it's to me, it's just it felt weird. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. It would have been a good opportunity to rebrand the tag team titles too. Either right. as a universal in a WWE or as a Raw and a SmackDown, like like and, and yep. you know stick with that and start rebranding the other titles as Raw and SmackDown titles because it's just weird that we have some Raw and SmackDown titles and some World in WWE and some you know whatever. But it is it's a hodgepodge. It is. It is what it is. But you know it's WWE, so it does not matter. That is going to do it for this <laughs> week's edition of the Greg DeMarco Show. The three minute warning that we weren't going to have, we ended up having. So. I guess you're welcome. You got some additional wrestling talk outside of the greatest night in the history of our sport. Again, go follow Patrick O'Dowd at Wrestling Realist, W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can find me at Chairshot Greg. And tune in next week for the Greg DeMarco Show. But until then, for Patrick, even for Miranda, who has only been present via text message during this show, we remind you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com Always use your head. Nice try, though.